This podcast is brought to you by the American Enterprise Institute. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, rate, review, and share. Thanks for listening. Here's our show. What in the hell's going on? What the hell is going on? What the hell is going on? <laughs> I don't know what the hell he's talking about. You don't have to know what the hell is on it. What the hell's the matter with these guys? We don't know what's going on. What the hell's going on? Who in God's name knows what it's all about? And I'm Mark Thiessen. Welcome to our podcast, What the Hell is Going On? Mark, what the hell is going on now? What the hell is going on is that the entire world, last August I believe it was, uh, was in an uproar because they discovered that Donald Trump had hundreds of classified documents in his home in Mar-a-Lago, including top secret SCI, which is secure compartmented information. That's the highest level of classification. It means that really sensitive stuff is put into compartments and you actually have to be read into the specific compartment. You can't just have top secret clearance. You have to have clearance to that specific compartment. So this is very carefully controlled information. He had it in Mar-a-Lago. And I think there was justified outrage at that fact. But now we've learned that Joe Biden, the sitting president of the United States, when he was the former vice president and opened an office in some place called the Penn Biden Center in Washington, D.C., which I didn't even know existed until this whole happened. And I think most of Washington didn't. Influential think tank. But apparently a individual think tank that was paying him a million dollars to be a professor a year and he didn't teach a single class. But there's a whole nother podcast to do on that. On ex-presidential grift. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my God. But he had, they found, classified documents in a closet in the Penn Biden Center, including top secret SCI intelligence. Uh, They found this on November 2nd, so six days before the midterm elections. Didn't tell anybody, even though they were out there campaigning against Donald Trump and his irresponsibility for being, and the whole MAGA movement being so irresponsible and can't have power because of that. They didn't bother to tell the voters before the election that they had done the very similar thing, not the exact same thing to use your phrase, but a very similar thing. And then they found more documents next month Didn't tell anybody about that. And then when they got exposed, somebody leaked the fact that they had found the documents, the November documents. They talked about it publicly without telling everyone that they had actually found documents in his garage in Wilmington. And next to his it. Corvette, but the it Corvette was locked. It was it locked. Was locked. I mean, the Corvette locked. is important. So, so we now have two consecutive presidents who have mishandled classified information. Oh, oh, and by the way, following on the mishandling of classified information by the would-be president Hillary Clinton, former Secretary of State, who also had top-secret SCI information on her homebrew server in her home in Chappaqua, that we know. That classified information was accessed through her email account, private email accounts of her aides. So we now have two former presidents and one presidential contender in the last three elections that have mishandled classified information. What a what a what a mess. What a yeah. I was going to use a more explicit term, but yes, one thing becomes clear. Okay, because Hillary Clinton was not prosecuted to the full extent of the law by the Obama administration, and Hillary actually blames the FBI, and its paltry attempts to to bring her to justice for losing her the election. I think that's completely untrue. I think she, she, lost, she lost it through her own fine work and not the work of the FBI, but she actually blames them for revealing this and for some rather aggressive New York Times reporting for really going after her for this extraordinary arrogation of power that she built this homebrew server in her house and then used it, concealed information, had classified information, deleted it in order to further conceal evidence of her crime, and it was a crime. And the Obama administration basically decided, eh, Hillary, you know, she's, she's a great woman. We should never go after a great woman. She's a she's a you know a, an anchor of American womanhood and the Democratic Party. Let's hang on to this and just you know make it all go away. Then of course it became extraordinarily complicated for them when they wanted to go after Donald Trump. But now it's even more complicated <laughs> that Joe Biden is not accused of exactly the same crime as you rightly say, but certainly he has violated similar statutes. And I think the problem here, honestly is that everything has become so politicized. We can't prosecute them because they're an important Democrat. Ooh, we're going to defend him because he's an important Republican. 
there's error on both sides, and certainly in the public appreciation of this. The bottom line is a curse on all their houses. People risk their lives to give us classified information of the kind that was found at Donald Trump's house, of the kind that was probably in Joe Biden's garage next to his locked Corvette, (laughs) that was probably in Hillary Clinton's backyard server. What do those guys think? You know, I risked my life to do the right thing, and you thought it was cool to put information I gave the United States Central Intelligence Agency in your bloody garage? Oh, and by the way, if we want want to go down the hypocrisy uh, rabbit hole here, all the people who are outraged, outraged at what Donald Trump did— and now have to at least pretend to be somewhat outraged because of what Joe Biden did, though pointing out all the differences. Debbie Stabenow, now um, we mean you. Yep. But <laughs> we're perfectly celebrating Julian Assange and WikiLeaks when they leaked all this classified information. Or Chelsea Manning. Like what about her? And Edward Snowden for leaking all this classified information. So the concern about the national security of our country, of some people on the left and the libertarian right, is, shall we say, selective. Look, I think I think they're all a bunch of hypocrites. I think those who wouldn't condemn Donald Trump for what he did, but are as happy to condemn Joe Biden, are full of crap. What's happened to the rule of law? Why is it increasingly that people believe that, that some are immune to this, that some people are just too important to our national culture, too important to our national politics, to actually be constrained by the same rules that govern the rest of us? No, I agree. And look, the fact of the matter is, when you were in the Senate staff and working and had security clearance and were able to look at documents, you, you had to go damn down. Well, bet I you, didn't walk out the door with classified. Yeah, information. you had to go. You had to go to a special room. You had to go to a room in the Capitol to view those documents. You couldn't take them out right. of the room. I had TSSCI access when I was in the government, and I had these things in my office, and I had to keep them in a locked safe in my office. Couldn't even leave them. You know, it's like if I was in the West Wing. And I had a TS. I was working with a TSSCI document. If I had to go to the bathroom, I would take the document and put it in my safe and lock the safe while I was gone. Of course, or you when did. I went or to lunch, or if your kid came to visit you, or if some yeah. friend came to visit you, exactly. you would have to have them wait outside your exactly. office until you put away the classified information. And so that's what the rules are. And so Mark. the idea that you know. That that got packed away with my stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. How does that get packed away with your stuff? I mean, and by and, the way, and if either so of folks, us packed it away with our stuff, we'd be we'd be uh, waiting prosecution right now. Well, you know, the the reality, of course, is, and this is something that no one wants to talk about, is that increasingly people aren't prosecuted for this. Yeah. There have there were two cases, three cases uh, that I can think of off the top of my head. Some former official during the Clinton administration who had a foot high pile of classified information next to his bed. He had his security clearance taken away, but it was pretty quickly reinstated when they they insisted that he was an indispensable diplomat. We had Sandy Berger, the former national security Sandy advisor. Sandy Burglar, as they call him, right? <laughs> Sandy Burglar, the late Sandy Berger, try and steal classified information from the National Archives by putting it in his socks. Dude, I don't know what he was thinking. So, you know, this is a problem, and the reality is they weren't prosecuted. I mean, you know, I don't think that many people remember Chelsea, formerly Bradley Edward Manning, who was a U.S. Army soldier convicted by court-martial in 2013 under the Espionage Act. She, then he, disclosed 750,000 classified or unclassified but sensitive military and diplomatic documents to WikiLeaks. She was charged under the Espionage Act, and she was pardoned by Barack Obama. I'm sorry, what cause was there to pardon her other than that she was a member of a preferred minority in the trans community? I'm, I'm not quite sure what there was. The reality is that people don't take this seriously anymore, and the outcome of this 
is not, oh, we'll all have something more to argue about here. Oh, isn't it disgraceful? The outcome is that we are going to have worse intelligence, that we are going to be more at risk on national security, and that more human beings who could be helping us in places like Russia and Iran and China are not going to take that risk because they don't want the information they gave to their their supposedly secret contact to be found in Hillary Clinton's computers or in Joe Biden's garage or on the floor of Donald Trump's house or on a on thumb drive. Of, or in the front page of the New York Times exactly. and on the news. Exactly. Absolutely. And that's the outcome. As usual, Mark and I get caught off in our own conversations, but we have the awesome Andy McCarthy back with us to talk about the classified files issue. Andy McCarthy, Andrew McCarthy, as his byline says, is a columnist for National Review. He's the former assistant U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York. He led the 1995 terrorism prosecution against Sheikh Omar Abdulrahman, the infamous blind sheikh. Uh, he is truly knowledgeable, and as I say to him at the end of our interview, knowledgeable, fair, lucid, just a pleasure to have on. Here's our interview. Andy, welcome to the podcast. Great to be back with you. So great to have you back on, especially with this topic, which everybody's talking about. So we had, of course, the raid of Mar-a-Lago and the scandal that Donald Trump had, top secret SCI information hidden in a closet in his residence at Mar-a-Lago. And then we find out that Joe Biden had top secret classified information in a closet at his office at the Penn Biden Center. And then more documents were found and everyone is running around saying, you know, there's hypocrisy going on here. Is there hypocrisy going on? Well, there's Washington going on. So <laughs> I guess, it's, uh, I guess um, that's the same it, thing. <laughs> I suppose. But I, I don't know. I think it's one of these things where it's inevitable that you'll get these Biden and Trump comparisons. But what I've thought from the beginning is that the context for this is really Hillary Clinton. So, you know, the tit-for-tat game uh, is something that we always expect. But for, just like from the standpoint of let's move back be, right before we just found out about the situation with Biden. If I were the Justice Department and I was trying to make a case on Trump for mishandling classified information, the most relevant thing to me is the Hillary Clinton precedent. Because she has, it's extensive in time and space. Yeah, her conduct is very willful in the sense that uh, it's engaged in for the purpose of defeating government record keeping requirements. So she, you know, she uh, mocks up this uh, homebrew server system. In the end, thousands of government files get destroyed, whether they're classified or not. There's some uh, evidence of obstruction, some evidence of uh, possibly misleading. Uh, the FBI and the perfunctory interview they did at the end. So it seems to me that the, the problem for prosecutors on the Trump case is to be able to show that he's somehow so uniquely awful that he rates being prosecuted even though Clinton got a pass. And from your standpoint as a prosecutor trying to put a case like that together, the one thing I think you'd you'd have to say is you can't afford for anything to go wrong. You know, it's a, you have a thin margin for error. You need everything to go right, and then you know, <laughs> suddenly out of left field, uh, it turns out that the sitting president of the United States is now suspected of committing the same crime that you're trying to investigate Trump for. So I, I think that's the that's the problem. You could you know you could argue all day about whether. Trump's defense is worse than Biden's. I, I, I would say, frankly, it looks like it probably is, but we also don't know a whole lot about Biden yet, and there's a lot of unanswered questions about it. But the biggest problem they have is, is Hillary Clinton, if you're the Justice Department. It's not a comparison between these two other guys. So you set me up perfectly, and I wish you were here with us because I'm nodding vigorously as you said something, and Mark <laughs> is shaking his head doubtfully. Let's uh, talk no, for a sec. I wasn't. You were I'm too. Talking about it. I wasn't saying it. I was shaking my head doubtfully at you, not at Andy. <laughs> and I do that every podcast. <laughs> 
I know nothing. I know nothing. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We have to cut short this interview so Mark and I can argue with each other. Uh, No. (laughs) Coming back to the important question, and maybe Mark doesn't disagree with me, I want to ask you about Biden and Trump, because I think the Hillary case is the serious, the serious grown up legal analysis. But I want to get past the headlines for a second, because there are a lot of people who are saying Joe Biden did exactly the same thing as Donald Trump. Who are these people to criticize the former president? You know, as you as you rightly put it, is he so uniquely awful? Well, kind of, but but never mind about that. That he deserves particular scrutiny, even though the president of the United States right now did exactly the same thing. Are they exactly the same thing? No, they're not exactly the same thing. But you know, when two people are suspected of violating the same criminal law, the details of the way the offense was committed. The degree of culpability is rarely a mirror image. So I, I always look at this in terms of, you know, there's uh, differences of degree and differences of kind. If, if you're talking about the criminal law, the, you know, the first question is the liability question, which is, did he commit the offense or not? If you were looking at Biden in that respect, the question would not be, is what he did, you know, worse or less egregious than what Trump did, it would be, did he mishandle classified information in a grossly negligent manner? If he did, it wouldn't matter in in terms of his personal guilt, what Trump did. So in the criminal law, we always end up dividing, you know, liability and culpability or, or more crudely guilt and sentencing, right? So on the issue of guilt, the question is, did he violate the statute? On the question of culpability, there's nothing that's more relevant than comparing similar offenders. The only thing that's that's even in the same ballpark of relevance is what somebody's criminal history is. And here, that's you know that's not much of a question that the the two guys we're talking about we're really talking about comparing their two situations. And you know, again, we don't know everything about Biden, but one thing you have to say about Trump which I think has always been the biggest problem for Trump is that if Mark or Danny or Andy lied to the grand jury, we'd be prosecuted. I mean, that's, it's like one of these things where a lot of times you have these public figures who are caught up in often, you know, complex financial crimes where it's like a mind bender to try to explain to somebody what they did to violate the law. Here, it's pretty easy. You know, if you or I, if any of the three of us under oath provided the grand jury with a statement that said, we've done a thorough search, and at the conclusion of that, we can represent that this is all of the classified information that is in, you know, former President Trump's possession. If you could prove that that was a knowing lie, and it certainly looks like uh, there's pretty strong evidence of that. We'd be prosecuted. And that's a, you know, that's a detail that's a serious offense in and of itself that is not in the Biden column. Now, you know, you can make a lot of arguments about why, including that there's not a hostile relationship between the Biden Justice Department and Biden. So, you know, they're allowing him to do things that they would never allow Trump to do under these circumstances, which is have people, not only people who are his representatives rather than the FBI or the National Archives, but people who don't even have security clearances are are apparently being able to look in these locations and see if there's more classified documents. So they're not putting Biden in a position where he's making representations to a grand jury, and they're not putting him in a position where uh, they're doing search warrants on his house. But all that said, lying to a grand jury is a pretty serious thing. And that, to me, is the biggest divider between the two cases. Well, he didn't lie to a grand jury, but he did lie because they found these documents on November 2nd, the first documents, and that leak, they didn't share that information with the public. And then they found another set of documents in December. And when Biden was asked about this publicly, he only referred to the ones on November 2nd because it hadn't been exposed that they found documents in his garage next to his Corvette yet. So he didn't lie to a grand jury, but he sure the, the White House sure lied about it. 
So, yeah, but there's a difference in yeah. I, and lying to the public just isn't a crime. No, um, that's true. If fact, it were, everybody would be in jail. <laughs> right. I was, I was, would have been right, a bitch by now, say, so would Trump. Yeah, lying to the public is like Tuesday, right? Whereas, you know, lying to the grand jury, you know, the thing with, with Trump is, you know, there was a whole lot of history before the, the grand jury subpoena came, right? There was like, uh, you know, probably 11 or 12 months of negotiations with the National Archives until he finally, under the threat that they were going to get Congress involved, he finally gave them 15 boxes of records in either December or January, you know, a year or so ago. And it was only when they found classified information in those 15 boxes that they referred the matter to the Justice Department. And then it was only after negotiations with the Justice Department broke down that they finally threw up their hands in May and gave them a grand jury subpoena. And by the way, there's a lot of the FBI lying down on the job. You know, they definitely did not treat the Trump thing as if it was a big deal. They should have been acting like their hair was on fire and they didn't. But all that said, I mean, they give him a grand jury subpoena in May and he gets uh, he actually gets an extension of time to produce the records. So they have a lot of time to decide how to respond. Uh, and what they end up doing is bring them down, bring three FBI agents and a Justice Department official down to Mar-a-Lago at, in uh, like June, first or second week of June. And they meet with him. This is the meeting I think that Trump pokes his head into. And he's represented that to be like he told them, you know, whatever you guys want, we want to be fully cooperative or whatever. But it's in response to the grand jury subpoena that they provide this written statement. And the reason for the written statement, just so people understand, is Ordinarily, if you get a grand jury, what they call this is a grand jury subpoena, do just take them, which means you're supposed to bring things to the grand jury, items that they've subpoenaed. So ordinarily, what would happen is the custodian of records would come and would be under oath in producing the records, uh, unless they make an agreement to let you just produce them to an FBI agent. Here, because it's classified documents, they don't want them, obviously, you know, transporting stuff from Florida up to Washington. They'd rather the FBI went down and took custody of it. So they basically told them in lieu of the testimony we would otherwise require, uh, we want a sworn statement that, you know, you've conducted a search and you're satisfied that this is everything. And when they come down to Mar-a-Lago, the, when the Bureau and um, the Justice Department official come down to Mar-a-Lago, the Trump people don't claim that, that anything has been, you know, that no no magic wand has been waved to say that this is now declassified or any of that kind of stuff. They give them a package with roughly 37, 38 classified documents in it, which they have wrapped up in a way that conveys the seriousness of the exercise. And they tell them this is all there is, and they give them the package along with the sworn statement. So. I don't think ultimately Trump is going to get prosecuted. I, if you would ask me like two weeks ago, I would have said like 11 chances out of 10 he's going to be prosecuted because the Justice Department was doing all the things that you would do if you were going to bring a case like that. Um, I think with these developments, it becomes politically very difficult to do it. But if he is going to be prosecuted, the reason's going to be that they lied to the grand jury and that they did this in a very deliberate way. Can I talk to you quickly about this classification question? My, sure. My husband, who used to be an associate White House counsel these many years ago, and I have been arguing about this, and he's been taking Mark's side about this, and, and I've been taking what I think is Andy McCarthy's side, but I'm not sure, and I want to give you a chance to actually <laughs> represent your views, and then I can yell at you as well as my husband and Mark. <laughs> but so, so I guess this so you is you better the, agree, Andy. <laughs> I, I, I'm forewarned. Exactly, it's important to give people <laughs> to give people that kind of warning. So you've written really well and quite extensively on this question of the president's really undisputed constitutional authority to classify and declassify information. You know, it doesn't matter whether there's an executive order. There is no governing congressional action. There's no law that says this is how you have to declassify stuff. 
But you have written very nicely that um, Trump never made the argument initially when they were looking for these documents that he had declassified documents. It was only ex post facto when he looked to be in some trouble that he said, yes, I declassified them. There's no evidence of him having done so. But then again, the law and the Constitution doesn't require evidence. Now, my view is that the president can't simply, you know, think it is declassified, do absolutely nothing to indicate that it is, not even tweet, and then after he as president claimed that it is declassified. But I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, and maybe the president's authority is, is monarchical, unlimited. So I had a very um, executive supremacist view of all of this at least going in. That was my presumption about it. But I'm not even sure anymore, Danny, if it's accurate to say that there's no statutory law on this. Because if you look at the Presidential Records Act, it says that even ministerial functions of, pre- of a presidency are supposed to be reduced to writing, and they're supposed to be a documentary evidence for the activities of the presidency. It says that right in the Presidential Records Act. So it certainly seems like if you're going to declassify documents, and there is government procedure, the the issue here, of course, is whether it applies to the president or not, but there is a procedure in government for how you declassify things. And there is a Second Circuit case where basically the claimant said that information was no longer covered by FOIA, the Freedom of Information Act, because Trump had tweeted about it and therefore implicitly had declassified it. And the Second Circuit said, no, 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 you don't, you don't declassify by tweet. You know, there's a procedure in government for declassification, and there's no evidence that it was followed here. Now, obviously, it's a very different situation to tell a claimant under FOIA that, that something isn't declassified because the procedure hasn't been followed, and to say that if the president says it, that the uh, He has to follow the procedure as well. But I do think a fair reading of the Presidential Records Act suggests that you would have to do something affirmative and something documentary to declassify information. If I were to predict what the Supreme Court would do with this, I would say that they would probably say that Congress had the power constitutionally to make that requirement because it doesn't interfere with the president's ability to declassify. It doesn't say that, you know, there's any infringement by Congress on the president's capacity to declassify whatever the hell he wants to declassify. All it is is a prescription of the form in which the action has to take place. I think a majority of the court would probably say that was within Congress's province to do that. So, Andy, I think, as with her previous question of whether they did exactly the same thing, Danny is leading the witness in all of these questions. You just didn't like Andy's answer. No. So, yes, I I don't think there's any disagreement among the three of us that the president can't simply say after the fact when he's no longer commander-in-chief and no longer has the constitutional authority of commander-in-chief, oh, yeah, I declassified that in my mind, (laughs) and therefore all of this stuff was declassified. But I'll give you a, a perfect example. I'm writing about this in The Washington Post this week. Bob Woodward revealed that he gave him and showed him in the Oval Office while he was president, while he was still commander-in-chief, the Kim letters. He gave those documents to a Washington Post reporter. In doing that, he effectively declassified them because the president can't leak. He's the ultimate declassification authority. So there at least you have some sort of a documented action where he gave a classified document and allowed a person who doesn't have the security clearance to do that. It's an entirely different thing to have a bunch of documents sitting in your closet and somebody finds them and says, oh, yeah, I declassified them, but there's no evidence that I ever did any action to do that. Is that right? Well, you know, I don't know, Mark. I mean, let's say that Woodward gives them the document back, right? And then they return it to wherever it was, it was being kept and then somebody else takes it. Can we prosecute that person for, you know, for stealing classified information? On the, uh, can, does he have a defense that it's not classified because Trump showed it to Woodward? But, you know, I don't know. I don't know how that case comes out. The, the one thing I, I do want to say about this is I'm kind of swayed by Bill Barr's point on all this, and I have been from the beginning, which is 
it seems to me that if Trump did declassify stuff in a sweeping way, just so he could keep it down at Mar-a-Lago, in many ways that would be more scandalous I than that. merely holding the uh, you know the documents down there, whether they were whether they were classified or not. I mean, to, to declassify them just so he would have a criminal defense would not make the country any less vulnerable to what would happen if the, if that highly potentially catastrophic in the sense of if it gets into the into the wrong hands it's catastrophic for national security purposes you know that's got nothing to do with whether trump you know says abracadabra and things have been declassified right it's still a it's, it's still a major major problem so i've never really thought you know maybe in terms of this criminal defense declassified information you know whether he could declassify maybe that'll be an interesting would be an interesting afternoon of testimony if that ever happened. But in terms of the national security of the United States, it would be catastrophic if he did that and then thereby took the position that he didn't need to safeguard the information because methods and sources of intelligence and all kinds of other stuff that's in the truly, I'm not talking about the stuff that's over classified in government, which we all know is like, uh, you know, volumes and volumes of stuff. But, you know, some of the stuff that gets the president. And Mark, no one knows this better than, than you do. Some of the stuff that gets the president really is the heavy duty, top secret, you know, compartmented stuff that only people with a need to know are supposed to see. And if you're cavalier with that kind of information because you have the ability to declassify, I don't think I don't think we've ever had a president who took that position before. No, I agree with you 100 percent. And there was stuff in the Mar-a-Lago documents that was Mark HCS, which is for human sources. I've written in the post that if he had declassified that, that would be a scandal because you're exposing human sources so you can keep the documents. I mean, but I guess the the remedy for that is impeachment. If the president is willy nilly declassifying documents so that he can keep them and putting them therefore legally at risk of being seen by foreign adversaries and endangering sources and methods. I mean, that's not a criminal prosecution response the avenue to remedy that is impeachment that he's abused. I'm really yeah, I, I'm really glad you said that because one of the things that has been really lost in this whole controversy is, you know, the the framers' idea for how you check executive excess is Congress. It's not prosecutors who work for the president. Yeah. If I were the Republicans in Congress, I would be very aggressive investigating this now, and I wouldn't tolerate being told that you're interfering with the work of the special counsel. Because I just got, as we all did, uh, we just watched two years, or close to two years, of the January 6th committee, where they didn't care a fig if what they were doing had consequences for what the Justice Department was trying to do on the Capitol riot prosecution. One of their primetime extravaganzas took place at the same time, like right in the middle of Steve Bannon's criminal trial. I mean, now I'm not carrying a brief for Bannon, but, you know, <laughs> if the shoe were on the other foot, they'd be screaming bloody murder that a Republican-controlled committee uh, was interfering with the administration of justice in a way that was bound to prejudice that trial. So I wouldn't be very tolerant if I were the Republicans right now for being told that you can't subpoena information and you can't talk to witnesses now because we have to let the prosecutors who work for Biden do their work. That is exactly true. And this is really something that I think, again, has raised these much larger questions. Well, one, the pretty regular theme of our podcast, which is that Congress has ceased doing its job in favor of tweeting out stuff and doing one big bill at the end just so they can spend the rest of the year hanging out with each other, drinking in bars and uh, and, 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 doing, <laughs> and doing whatever it is that they do. But Congress has a much bigger role to play here because, in fact, yes, Donald Trump mistreated classified information. Yes, Joe Biden mistreated classified information. But, of course, the truth is that classified information is mistreated constantly. And one of the reasons that it's mistreated constantly is because there is so much of it. I'm not giving them a pass, but I am saying I am saying that there are a whole series of things that Congress ought to be doing. One of them, 
absolutely investigate what's happening with Joe Biden. I agree with Andy that, that the January 6th committee wasn't deterred and a Republican House shouldn't be deterred either. But I think that there are bigger issues here that are at play that also reflect Congress's attitude of total relaxation on any of these questions, Congress needs to get on the stick. And one of the things, by the way, which Andy just talked about, you know, the Presidential Records Act, make it explicit about the fact that the president, if the president wants to declassify, there has to be some set of procedures. Am I out of line here, Andy? No, I don't think so. In fact, I think, you know, along the lines of what you're saying, I think we all would agree that the Electoral Count Act was something that could stand some tightening up. And there were proposals to tighten it up, and the Democrats could easily have had that enacted a year before it was enacted. But they didn't want to do it because of the uh, they, they perceived the political winds were against it. So I agree that there are screaming, simple things that could be done that I imagine there's probably bipartisan support for if you could get these people, you know, like away from the cable TV microphone and just talk to them in private. They would agree with you that, you know, yes, there are these things we could come together on. And why not come together on, you know, this is what a president has to do to declassify information. If it turns out that if Trump were to get prosecuted, it wouldn't matter anyway because it would be ex post facto. But if some president down the road said, no, this is an interference with my constitutional authority, we could litigate that. But why not in the meantime try to promote, you know, there are, these guys always say they're all about good governance. Well, this is this is like a, a good governance measure and it's common sense. Yeah. I will disagree with you both. And I'm looking forward to both of you endorsing the War Powers Act so we can further constrain the commander in chief authority. <laughs> uh, but but here, here's the thing. With it, I, what I was objecting to what Danny was saying was the overclassification point. Look, there is overclassification yeah. of confidential information, maybe even secret information. There's no overclassification of top secret SCI information, nope. superior compartmented right. information. That is the most important and most carefully controlled intelligence that exists. And both Joe Biden and Donald Trump have that in unsecured locations on their private homes and properties or offices. So when Danny says at the start of this interview, did they do the exact same thing? No, they didn't. Donald Trump resisted giving the information back. Donald Trump uh, had a lot more of it than Joe Biden did. But even one TSSCI document sitting in an, you know, I don't, first of all, how do you even take that out of the White House? (laughs) <laughs> it's like literally they're numbered well, and logged. Yeah. I mean, it's like it's just mind-bogglingly irresponsible. And so, from that level, yes, what they did is the same thing. It's the same crime. Yeah, I'm I'm very interested, Mark, in the are they numbered and and logged part because one of the things I keep hearing, um, Charlie Savage was making a to do out of this uh, in the last couple of days. I don't know if it was in the Times or just on Twitter, but this whole idea that you know Biden, out of the goodness of his heart, once these documents were discovered, they self-reported. Maybe that's true, and I hope it is true. And if it is true, you know, great credit to him for doing that because you could easily see where they could have, you know, discarded or destroyed that information and no one would ever have been the wiser. But as I said at the beginning, there's a lot we don't know about this. And it seems to me part of what we don't know is exactly how the documents got to the places where they have been located. And is it possible that they self-reported because they knew somebody would figure this out eventually and it would be even worse for them if they had destroyed the documents? So I'm not quite ready to canonize Joe Biden just yet for self-reporting. Let's just come back to an area of strong agreement for one moment, at least between you, me and Mark. Mark and I will never agree. (laughs) One of the biggest problems here, in addition to sailing off into the sunset with highly classified information from his time as vice president and perhaps even from his time in the Senate, who knows, is the complete and total lack of transparency. Actually, under the guise of being frank with the public, the White House has been unbelievably unclear and has forbidden or perhaps she's simply not able to allow their spokesman to answer any press questions about this at all. Ultimately, what do you see the consequences of Biden's actions? How do you see it playing out? And that's my exit question. I don't think he'll be charged. He, obviously, the Justice Department guidance on indicting a sitting 
president applies. So he can't be charged under the Justice Department standards while he's still president. And there aren't even numbers or incentives there to impeach him over this. But I do think there has to be complete accountability for it. And one thing I would do if I were a Republican on, I don't know if they're going to give this to the Judiciary Committee or this new Jim Jordan Committee or the Oversight Committee, but whatever committee or committees is going to look at this, I would encourage them to subpoena all of the lawyers. There seems to be a lot of misunderstanding among people, which is quite intentional when politicians and the, the Clintons were uh, were masters of this, that, that you insinuate lawyers into ministerial tasks that really don't have anything to do with lawyer work or communications uh, in the nature of attorney-client privilege. And what they always hope is that by insinuating lawyers, they'll be able to stop investigators in their tracks because they'll say, you can't ask that because it's attorney-client privilege. And they just basically are trying to you know, and they also want to be able to say to the public, you know, we can't uh, discuss this because my lawyers have advised me, you know, X, Y, or Z. And I think most people are, said. yeah, and most people are not sophisticated enough in these things. That, you know, it's not that they're ignorant; it's just they're not. This isn't their their uh, bellywick. They don't realize that you know Biden could absolutely say whatever he wants to. He, he likes being able to say that lawyers have advised him not to because that gives sort of the patina of legitimacy to the claim that he can't discuss it. But of course, he can discuss it. So one of the things I hope that they'll investigate, I hope they get, you know, smart former prosecutor types on that. There are plenty of people who worked on the Hill who know this stuff. But if you use a lawyer to do something that's ministerial, the attorney-client privilege does not prevent questions from being answered or or that from being investigated. And as for the involvement of the White House counsel, there was a case that was decided during the Clinton-Lewinsky stuff involving Bruce Lindsay, United States against Lindsay, which holds that the White House counsel does not have attorney-client privilege to prevent investigators from getting to the bottom of potentially criminal transactions. Now, that. That case came up in the context of Ken Starr's criminal investigation, but you would certainly think that the White House counsel would not be able to assert, or at least that a court would look with skepticism on an assertion of attorney-client privilege under these circumstances. So I would get all these lawyers one by one in, and I'd, I'd be asking them a lot of questions about you know, exactly what did they find? How did it get there? How, why were they looking in the first place? What, you know, we probably all cleared out closets from time to time. I wouldn't want to invite anyone to help me clear out mine. It'd be too embarrassing. But um, certainly, <laughs> I don't think the first thing people think is, well, got to clean out the closet today. Better call the lawyers. You know, I mean, that's just, that's, that's just not the way it works. So I would not be afraid if I were investigating this to bring these lawyers in and put them under oath and ask them whatever questions you would ask anyone else. Exit question for me, Andy. So obviously, as you said, uh, Biden can't be prosecuted while he's president of the United States, but he could be prosecuted after he leaves office, couldn't he? Because these are actions not that he took as president. This is something that happened when he was former vice president. And how likely do you think it is that anybody will be prosecuted for any of these things? I think it's unlikely, and that brings me back to the you know the Hillary precedent. I just think that uh, it, that makes it hard to prosecute anyone, which is bad because the, the problem here is that Hillary should have been charged, not that all these other people shouldn't. But the Constitution, Mark, is is explicit on the point that you raise. Uh, it says that the penalty for impeachment is removal and disqualification from from office in the future, but it qualifies uh, in the the applicable clause that the president can still be you know prosecuted under the civil or the criminal law, and it doesn't matter whether the the offenses in question were committed while he was president or at some other time. So the Justice Department rule is not designed to put the president in a better position than the normal person would be in. It, it's it's simply a paying of deference to the awesome responsibilities of the president. 
but it's not supposed to give you a leg up as a criminal defendant. So what what the rule basically says is we can't bring you in and prosecute you in court while you're president uh, because that would compromise your ability to carry out the functions of the presidency. Uh, but you are just as liable as anybody else once the president, once you're no longer in the presidency. Exactly. Thank you, as always. You're lucid, fair, clear, wonderful. Even really. Danny can understand you. Even I can understand you. Boy, this is going to get rowdy when I get off. Don't worry, Mark's sitting right next to me. I'm going to smack him with my Diet Coke can. Your silver, your silver hammer, right? Exactly. Uh, Well, was it? It it was my. It's always a pleasure to speak with both of you. Thank you, Andy. Terrific. Take care. Thanks again, Andy. Have a great day. Bye. Bye. Danny, here's the thing. I think we should be able to agree, instead of spending a lot of time arguing as what Donald Trump did worse or was what Joe Biden did worse, are they the exact same thing? They're the exact same crime. Trump might have had more counts of the crime because of the volume of the documents that he had. Plus those lies. Plus, plus the lies. There are differences. But I think we should all be able to agree that what both of them did is wrong. Right. I killed you by running you over. I killed you by stabbing you with a knife. Yeah, yeah. you're still dead. Yeah. Right. These are still the crime of or murder. Or I stabbed I you a hundred times or I stabbed you ten times. Right. But no, I think and I think Andy and I think Andy really laid that out very clearly. I want to address something just quickly because I think a lot of people, normal people, don't actually know what classified information looks like. So just so you understand, in order to to nick off to mistakenly take away classified information in your files, these are pieces of paper. So this isn't actually like what Chelsea Manning, who stole everything off of a computer, did. These are pieces of paper. Every piece of classified information is stapled to a cover. Just everything. Whether it's an email that you got and you printed out, it's stapled to a cover. That's how the lawyers who were looking through the information and cleaning out the files knew it was classified because there was a big piece of white paper on the front and it had a big colored border. And on the top of it, it says secret, confidential, top secret. And then there are a whole variety of additional letters that could have been on top of it that signified the level of classification. And there are some documents that have a black border around them. You really, really know. You can't pick this up and think it's your shopping list. So even more, this was not a crime of slovenliness. These were intentionally removed in both cases. These were either intentionally removed or there was such cavalier disregard for classified information that they ended up in somebody's inbox. Either one of those things is a crime. So let me just tell you a story to highlight how carefully the government handles this information. So when I was in the White House, I worked on President Bush's speech revealing the existence of the CIA's interrogation program. That was a top-secret SCI code word program. Right. So the intelligence involved, all the documents that I was working with, I had to write that speech in a skiff in the NSC. We used to joke secure secure compartmented information facility. Like in my office in the White House, I could use TSSCI information, but I had to put it away. In those rooms, you can leave it out because the whole room is secure and you can only get into that room if you have the clearance to be in that room. I wrote that speech on a top secret computer that wasn't even connected to the SIPRNET, which is our classified information in the internet program in the government, right? So it was so, so classified that you couldn't even put it on the cipernet. And I did it to make copies of that speech. I literally had to take it and we used a floppy disk. And people don't do, people even remember what a floppy disk was. It was one of these little beige cartridges that you would put into a computer and it would spin around and you would copy the, the document onto that. And it kept failing every time we wanted to make copies of it and put it into a different computer. And, and the reason they told me that they, they used floppy disks still in the government is because you couldn't, on like a thumb drive, you couldn't load a lot of information on it. It didn't have a lot of capacity. And so that literally was held on a floppy disk that was numbered, and I had to give it to the uh, secretary in the NSC who would print out numbered copies that were then physically given to the secretary of state and the secretary of defense and the director of the CIA to review on paper. And then it came back to me, and I would have to do this. That is how carefully controlled TSSCI information is. The idea that this stuff ended up 
in Joe Biden's garage next to his Corvette. Or in Donald Trump's Donald, Mar-a-Lago. Or in Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago. And, but all the, again, all the people saying, well, Mar-a-Lago, it's like, you know, look at the, the New York Times literally did a 3D model of Mar-a-Lago to show how close people could have gotten to the, uh, to the documents that were in that I want to see that, that 3D model of Joe Biden's garage. Or his, or the Penn Biden Center, which had international <laughs> which students coming in for classes. Apparently, we didn't. I didn't know this until I looked into it. It was Tony Blinken's office in the interregnum, the Trump interregnum. I'm sure he had foreign visitors there at some point like that. So there was just as much access for foreign individuals to get to those documents in the Biden world as there were in the Trump world. This is just so irresponsible on both counts. And I just don't understand how people can be so blinded by their political allegiances to say, I criticize Joe Biden for doing this, but I've also criticized Trump uh, for, for, for handling this. You I think have. I think a, he a did declassify. I think I'm confident that he declassified the letters that he received from Kim Jong-un because he showed them to Bob Woodward of the Washington Post in the Oval Office while he was president of the United States. And so the president can't leak if he shares that information. The information is declassified. But that doesn't speak for the hundreds of other documents that were there. And so they both mishandled these these things. And it's just, as you said, a pox in all their houses. It, it, it is. And again, I just want to come back. Final point. Congress has so much it could be doing, so much it should be overseeing. They should be on this like a, <laughs> a duck on a June bug. That is so not me, that expression. <laughs> I've never <laughs> I even heard that before. Uh, it comes from, I don't, well, I don't even tell you where it came from, but but never not mind. from Australia. Not from Australia, no. But, um, a koala but no. on a scorpion. <laughs> I think even, even a koala wouldn't, wouldn't want to sit on a scorpion, but we digress. Congress should be on this. Congress should not be deterred by, as Andy said, ridiculous claims of lawyer-client privilege, but Congress should have been on this all the time. The reality is that our intelligence committees have been in the pocket of our intelligence community, just like the other committees don't do good oversight of their own agencies. And Congress needs to remember to assert its authority here. It's not about Republicans and Democrats. It's about the Constitution and checks and balances, and they ought to damn well be doing their job. Amen. Yay, a note of comedy. Thank you guys for being here. Take care. See you next week. Let us know what topics you'd like us to cover. You can get in touch with the show by emailing us at whatthehell at AEI.org. Or you can reach us on Twitter. I'm at D. Pletka. And I'm at Mark Thiessen. That's Mark with a C. Please rate and review the podcast. If you like the show, please subscribe, share it, comment on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening to this. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.